Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Oh my word, how exciting. Listen, when one of your peers asks you to come and speak at their church, you know it's serious business. You know? And I'm just... uh, I just really actually want to honor Jesse. We just spend the whole service just honoring each other and go, I got nothing this morning. Thanks so much. Um, <clears throat> but I do because um, there's a, a, an incredible resilience on Jesse. The amount of things that he's faced in his life, the, the career and the callings that the Lord has had in his life has uh, developed such a character that it's funny what I'm talking about today is a lot about Jesse. <laughs> Um, but he doesn't know it. Um, he didn't ask me to come and speak about him at his own church, just to be really clear. So that would be odd, strange, um, and unnecessary. But I, I just, um, I really want to honor you, Jesse, because there is something about you that does speak the truth, and that's why there's such a freedom in this church. And um, my name means free man, so wherever I find someone struggling with themselves mainly, then um, I run after that thing like you wouldn't believe. Um, So I actually want to talk today about denial. Fun, fun, (laughs) chirpy, chirpy little subject. Um, But I'm going to try and make it comedic at the same time. But we're going to go on a quite an emotional roller coaster because that's who I am. And um, but the Lord's okay with that. And I, uh, but let me just pray just first so that we make sure that my words are his words and nothing else. Oh, Lord, thank you. We're so in love with you. And in all the things that we choose to sacrifice to you, you're more than worth it. You're worthy of our yes, God. And we're so humbled by your grace, by your mercy every day. And thank you for meeting us where we're at. Never trying to get us beyond where we can go. (laughs) But every day is a new day with you, Lord. And so I just pray that my words speak to every soul, every heart that is seeking your voice. That none of this is in vain. That everything of this is in your truth, Lord. And may we just be sweetly surprised by what you have for us this morning, including myself. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever I feel the anointing, I cry a lot, so be warned. I want to talk. Can you guys see me okay if I'm here? Shall I go back a bit? I want to talk. It's a very, very overused story, I'm afraid. Um, But I'm hoping that I'm coming to you with a story with a brand new, fresh look. I want you to look at John 4, the Samaritan woman at the well. I've read over this story and this dialogue hundreds of times. And every time I read it, I find something new. And I read this dialogue purely as a guideline of how to pastor other people. See, we're living in a world right now where the church, sadly still label people because of their sin. We're often looking at the side effects of what they're doing. We're looking at the, uh, the cherry on the cake of what's really going on with the soul. 
and we talk about these side effects, the codependency, the addictions, the behavioral problems, the lifestyle choices, the political choices, whatever they're doing, we are labeling them, whether we like to or not, and our subconscious level and comparing it to the word. I'd like to propose that the Lord always asked why. And I'm really tired of seeing the church not ask why. Because that's where divine wisdom comes. And so I want to look at this dialogue of a woman that has been outcast, that has been labeled as the lascivious one, the adulteress, the sinful woman that has run through five husbands and is now living with the sixth, who isn't her husband. And I want to look at this in a setting where not only had I believed that the Lord woke up that morning waiting for her, that he actually chose in the morning, I'm going to have a good day because I'm about to meet her. And she was just going on her day, trying to avoid the crowds by coming at the hottest part of the day, not the coolest part of the day, to come get some water. You know the story. I don't need to give you the uncomfortableness of the Samaritans and the Jewish in this particular culture. I don't need to tell you about the fact that men couldn't talk to women in public. I don't need to tell you about all of the complexities of this conversation already. I'm going to jump over that and just read through some of this so then we can get right into the gritty stuff. Is that okay? Okay. So let's go with 4 verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how, it is, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Stop right there. The Mishnah was a teaching of the Jewish culture at this particular time. Oh, I'm very impressed that you got that out there because I didn't even tell you. Um, at, the, at the time, the Jewish culture and the Jewish teachings often went to the Mishnah, which was a, pretty much a rule book of how to do your life. And one of the rules was that, you, that, that the Jewish man was not to share spittle with a Samaritan woman because it was considered as bad as eating swine. So this isn't just a case of like, hey, do you, do you want to pass over some water? And hey, I'm just talking to you. He's actually suggesting that he, from her camel pouch, she would like to take a swig of water. This is really controversial. <laughs> Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well? And drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock. She's taking a stab at him. She's actually being pretty cruel. And she's like, are you greater than our father Jacob? As if to say, I'm as much of a Jew as you are. She's edgier than a transformer. <laughs> and she's one of those that just has protected herself now. She's got all the witty quips. Or the clever little one-liners. She's sharp, and she will not let you perforate through to her skin. In fact, she's kind of offended by him. She thinks he's being insulting. But the beautiful thing about our Lord is he sort of just glides over that. 
He's like, oh, oh, she's offended. But let's keep moving. <laughs> let's keep going on. He's so good like that. He's so like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, let's keep moving on. Um, but how many of us in the church go, oh, okay, and leave? We take that sharp opinion on Instagram or that sharp commentary on Facebook and we're going, mm, I'm going to give you another opinion that I think. Oh, he could have got into it with her at that moment. He was like, no, no. I have more answers to your why than you understand. But he's also recognizing the fact that because she's so sharp and edgy, he's trying to see how far he can go with her. And that's one of the beautiful gifts of, of pastoral skill sets is how, how far are you willing to let me go with you? So this is what's interesting about the next stage. And it was a revelation to me a few years ago that changed totally the way that I pastor people and the way that I allow the Lord to talk to me, honestly, and anyone else in my life. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. He's like, oh, she's hungry. She's keen. But wait, I just need to know one thing. Can you be honest? He says, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Why would you ask someone to go and fetch your husband if you already know that she's living with a guy that she's not married to? Why would you ask someone to go and fetch your husband? He's not being cruel. He's trying to see if she's being honest. Because if she's going to be honest about this one, it's bingo. It's disco time. Now we can go. Now I can start growing you. But if you're going to tell me that you have a husband, and I know you don't have one, I'm not going to push you further than you want to go. This is the beauty of truth. You see, we get a little bit prideful. We, we often tell people what we think they want to hear. We're worried that we might lose that leadership or that calling or that anointing if we don't tell some of the honest words that they want to hear. But I can't tell you how many times I've seen people get favored, promoted, and honored in the right environment when they have been truly honest in their weakest moment. Because the Lord trusts you with character, knows that you can steward it better, because you're always going to come and worship him in truth. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband. Bingo. Here we go. Now I can get you free. For you've had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> it's this lovely kind of comedic moment of like, I sing, well done, Sherlock. Yes, he's a prophet. <laughs> <clears throat> Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and new Jews say that in Jerusalem, the place where one ought to worship, Jesus said to a woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. This killed me in a beautiful way. Because there are times where I'll give partial bits of truth. 
just enough that anyone can handle. So terrified that my real truth might just disturb the performance, the polished, perfect prayer <laughs> that I might give to someone. I'm so often, I, when I was younger, I was always so polished in my prayer. I'd come to him with sort of diet monologues as if I was on stage. <laughs> if we shadows have offended, think but this and all is mended, that you have but slumbered here whilst these visions did appear. <laughs> Could just go on? I could just feel like having going, what is she doing? Why isn't she talking about the little issue she had yesterday, you know? Is that Shakespeare? It is, yeah, I'm sorry. You don't want that? Okay. <clears throat> I, think, I think one of the things that we get so nervous about is that if we are starting to be truthful, then we'll just do a huge overshare and be far too vulnerable, and then everyone's uncomfortable, and then we have the bubble of shame afterwards of being too vulnerable. And then we just go, you know what, this is a bad idea. We shouldn't have done this in the first place. You know, I've now got 12 people staring at me, and I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> but one of the beautiful things about this was that I, I'm, I think part of the journey of the church and the history of the church is that we focus so much on being perfect for him that we didn't learn how to build our character when we were imperfect. We didn't know how to persevere through the struggles that we were having. We ran away from them, hid, and gave everyone the polished performance. And what I'm desperate to try and find is actually we as the church should be the first people that people run to when we're desperately in trouble. We should be the ones that sit with the outcast and wait for them to come to. We should be the ones that go, you were rejected by everyone else, but I ain't giving up on you, sweetheart. I need to see that we actually are okay with everyone else's mess. The problem is the church goes, oh, compassion condones. No, 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 no. Compassion frees someone else up. And so what I need to find in ever, and I know you guys do this really well because I can feel it in this room, but there's something about just speaking into and loving on someone where they're at and not giving up because you don't know on what day that someone's about to break through with your freedom. Hey. And so I have this heart to find the ones in the room that are the truth tellers, the ones that are going to really say it as it is, the ones that might be speaking for five years in therapy, but there's one person who goes, yeah, but we've got this problem here and we can't get around this. We've actually got to go through it. We've got to persevere in this. And I had this amazing student. Oh, gosh, I love him so much. And when I first met him, you know, if anyone knows anything of my journey, back, you know, I was an atheist in my 20s. I came back to the Lord in the late 20s, it was quite a radical conversion. I, was, um, I had three sexual relationships in my 20s. I, was, I gave up having sex with my boyfriend, but then turned on to porn because that was less harmful for everyone. Like, you know, the things that we love to kid ourselves about. And um, so, of course, I, I feel that thing on other people. I can feel, you know, and guys get really terrified when I say this, but I can actually feel a porn addiction on somebody else because I recognize me carrying it. And I remember this first day, it was registration day, and I had this beauty, this, his face was like, oh gosh, when the Lord made your face, he was in such a good mood. Because <laughs> he just had like this very happy, like everything was, you know? And you just, you just wanted to eat him in a really nice, non-cannibalistic way. Like it just really, just like, oh, 
I want to do that with him all the time. And so he came up to me and was like, hello. He was really excited. <laughs> Second year at VSSM, you know, all the signs and wonders. Here we are, let's go. And, um, and I, I, I spoke to him for about five minutes and I could feel him as I was coming closer to him. I could feel him get a little bit more and more nervous and a little bit more uncomfortable. As if to say, oh, this woman's just really going to love me. But if she knows everything about me, she may not anymore. And I thought, there's something on that, and I don't know what it is. Give me a week, and I'll figure out what it is. And so I figured out what it was. And I went, well, Lord, I've got I've to help him out with this stuff. He's 20. He's probably been struggling with this half his life, knowing the particular area I'm dealing with right now. And uh, the Lord was like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, but I'm a truth teller. He said, yeah, yeah, you're your truth teller. You're not someone else's truth to tell right now. And you need to understand, I need him to find his own power by choosing to be truthful. And he says, so please just love him. Just keep on loving him. Well, should I give him, should I give him worship leading in the room? Do we do that? Is he trustworthy enough? Oh, no, no, no. You're going to give him that. He's gifting that. I gave him that gift. Give him to it. But he's struggling in this area. Oh, no, no, no. Keep on loving him. So every week, week after week, I was wondering if he was ever going to work it out. And there were just moments where he would just separate himself a little bit from the group. Didn't really want to pull in too closely. Was much closer to the guys and the girls. Because he felt safer with his bros. And what he'd been feeding his mind with was information that made him feel like women were not trustworthy and weren't monogamous. It's one of the pulls of a porn addiction. And so five months go by, and I'm loving him and loving him and loving him. And I get to my office one day, and he's standing outside my office shaking. And I think, oh, today's the day. He sits on my sofa, and he can barely get out my name. And he said, I don't think I've ever shared this with anyone. But I can't keep doing this anymore. And your own kindness has been leading me to repentance. And um, I just went, before you say anything, I already know. And he went, what? And I went, no. <laughs> Someone else didn't tell me. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not been looking on your computer. I'm just saying. Be, you know, we actually have accounts where we look through your history. I'm joking. Uh, what? I went, listen, I, I just need you to understand that um, I needed you to know what this felt like. Where you bring the truth and you're not rejected because of it. And if I were to shame you or try and fix you really quickly or take away your computer or fix it with a scripture even, you're never going to figure out why you're doing this. So when you next go and do it, he was like, oh, bah, 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 I don't know. <laughs> let's not talk about this. No, we're going to talk about this. When you next go and do it, I want you to acknowledge what's going on here because there's a reason why you're doing it. And if, if we can figure out that reason, then I can get you free. But thank you for coming to me and trusting me with it. And we just cried on my sofa. And I would say that, that that exact ability to go, I see you, 
I know you and I'm still right here. Nothing changes. He said, so you knew this all along and you were putting me in positions of leadership. You were making me a home group leader. You were making me. And I said, yeah, because you don't see what I see in you. And he so believes in you. I so believe in you. Just because of this doesn't mean that you're disqualified. I need you to understand, though, that we've got to change this for your own freedom. And I, I am so, my breath is always taken by the people that choose to take ownership of the choices they're making. He wasn't making excuses anymore. He wasn't going, I can't help myself. He's like, I, I know I feel like I can't, but there's got to be a way out. And I said, no, I'll help you. And he got completely free of it. As far as I'm aware, he hasn't gone back to it. And that formula was repeating over and over and over again because of how we allow someone. We have to make the environment safe enough to want to bring truth. And so when we're seeing the church online and in public fight with each other, no one wants to go to dinner with a bickering couple. <laughs> so why would anyone want to come into our church? I need you to understand that this conversation that we're having with people is always finding compassion, always finding moments to just get in where everyone else wants to shove you out. I'm so inspired by our Lord because how he has a creative way every time to bring the truth to someone. Every single time he had a third way that no one else was even thinking about. He was so creative in bringing the truth. It didn't have to have an opinion. It had to have a model. And so how he broke... Her entire wall was by breaking out his own discomfort, his own reputation, to bring the truth to her. And I've had times where I've been, um, I've been associated with pastors that have fallen. I've had times where I've, um, I've even put videos on Instagram and I've had this, um, these messages going, you shouldn't really mix with the likes of them. It's probably going to tie your reputation. I'm like, well, I don't really know whether I have much of a reputation as it is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a church apostle or anything. I'm just doing my job. But I also, I, if my reputation is to sit with the people that have been outcast by everyone else, then great, so be it. So be it. I'm not leaving people. And you think that I'm condoning this behavior if I sit next to them? Really? So I'm... I squeaked. <laughs> really? The woman said to him, this is the most beautiful moment. In her sharing the truth, in her allowing him to speak into her life. How many times have we had someone that speaks the truth and you feel you know it's true because you're like, no. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm fine. You just walk away. I'm very busy right now. I can't, you know, it's that thing. You're like, why am I being like this? <laughs> Why am I shutting the wall down on this one? Oh, and someone's just like, well, I was just wondering. If, no, um, we're great. We're good. We don't need it. Um, when we've got rid of all of that, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Ooh, I always get moved by this one because Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, I'm he. There was just this moment when she went, it's you. It's you. I've been waiting for you all my life. And I was just coming to get a drink. 
It was a really good surprise. <laughs> Thanks. Oh. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? There's this beautiful trust by this point of like, he's talking to her for a reason. We trust him. We trust our boy. He's doing something right now. You know. But they're probably slightly uncomfortable at the same time. Just this sort of... Ugh. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled. He talked with him. You know, I said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went away into the city and said to them, and come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So I love that. I just love that imagery. Thanks, sweetheart. I love that imagery of the lonely water pot just on the side of the help me, just this tiny little next to the well. And here's what's interesting as well. Jesus didn't touch it either. And even when he was hungry, the disciples had already gone to go and get some food. They come back. Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone bought him anything to eat? Jesus said, my food is to do with the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Here's what's gorgeous, is when you really go after freedom with someone, you really do get filled up. And so this, is, this wasn't just a one-way exchange. He really loves finding you freedom. It's not a burden for him. It satisfies him. And I don't know why we're so frightened of coming to the secret place and sharing all of this stuff. I don't know why we always have to pull away. I don't know why we can't just find him. He's supposed to be the greatest comforter, the greatest counselor. But when we actually know how to navigate pain, and this is one of the things that I'm really going after a lot with people at the moment, if we can be the best pain processors, and that doesn't mean to be massively introspective all the time. It doesn't mean we have this melancholy all the time of, oh, woe is me and my problems. It's not that. It's actually like, hey, this is painful. I need to talk about it, and I need to work it out right now. It's not fixing it with a scripture. It's like, Lord, why did, I do, why did I do that? Why am I feeling that? What's going on right now? Tell me more about what I'm doing. How is this affecting people? How do I get free? And just letting it out. When we process the pain, it's A, a lot quicker the heart is stubborn. It holds on to things. This is, why, this is why my boy was like repeating the same cycle. The shame was giving him pain. Pain was making him want to numb. Numb was making him shameful. And round and round we go. If we can, even when Christ was on the cross, he's spitting out painkiller. He had a good reason to want to take some painkiller. And even then, nah, all his life, He'd worked on the skill set of how to process pain. Watching him in the Garden of Gethsemane is one of the most breathtaking things I think I've ever witnessed in his entire ministry. Because he said, boys, come and watch me for a minute. I'm about to pray. Pray so that you may resist temptation. Praying is bringing the pain into this journey with the Lord. If you're getting to it, but he was even processing pain ahead of time. He was that good. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty extraordinary. If you like, if there's any other way, even the Son of God is still trying to bargain somehow. If there's any other way that we can do this, that would be really great. (laughs) 
when the angel of the Lord comes to comfort him, then he knows, oh, it's game on. There's no other way we can do this. That's when he starts sweating blood. That's when he's pounding his fist to the ground. That's when he's like, okay. But that's why he could be so resolved on the day. It's why he could be so dignified. It's how he was able to carry all fruit of the Spirit on the way to death. It's how he was able to love Judas and dipping into the bread and to the wine. Go and do what you need to do. There's something so breathtaking and so inspiring that when I was an atheist, I wasn't all that inspired by Christians, I'll be honest. Because they seem to be the most scared. And I'm like, did you run to church just for a safe space? Or are there any of these apostles, the Daniels that stand in the lion's den? Are there any of these guys that are actually willing to just take on a brunt? Or deny when they're being told to deny Christ. And these are the ones that were inspiring me. The ones that were facing the Boko Haram and they were being told to deny Christ with a gun to their head. They're like, I ain't moving. Whew. If you're an atheist and you're watching that, you're like, wow, okay, I want whatever he's on. Whatever crate he is, I need it right now. There's a stunning, I don't know whether you've ever heard of this story, but it's, some, it's one that I've shared, some of my students from the audience today, it's one that I've shared a few times, but I really feel like this is for someone in the room. It was a tribal village of Christians in an area that was very persecuted. And these Christians are round up into a village hall by a bunch of soldiers, all of them gunned, children as well. And they pin a picture of Christ to the door. And they have, you have two choices. You can walk out, but you need to spit on the face of Christ before you walk out and deny him. Or you stay inside and we shoot you. Up to you. Now there are people outside, family relatives, people outside, fathers, mothers inside. I need to be a parent to my child. Surely the Lord will forgive me if I do. Surely. It's a fair, fair argument, to be honest. So one by one, they go spit on the face of Christ and walk out grieving that they've just had to do that. But then a little 11-year-old gets up. Oh, she takes her skirt. She wipes down the face of Christ. She goes back into the middle of the room, and she went, no one spits on the face of my father. The gunmen were stunned. They lower their guns, and they go, we have no words for that. And they let everyone free. Oh, I can feel it. I'm looking for the noble ones the unreasonable courage. I'm looking for the ones, and maybe that's never going to be, hopefully that will never be your journey. But there's something in that that goes, death is just a speed bump to me. If we're wired with eternity, if we're wired with the fact that I don't care what your mess is, sweetheart, just come closer. And I can feel some of you going, yeah, but what about the codependent ones? What about the ones that are just bulldozing over our life? Well, that's the beauty of boundaries. Let's just say that. 
I mean, you know. Just to be very clear. But we do need to stretch a little. How are we doing for time? Jesse's out. So what does it look like when we are truth tellers? What does it look like when we are walking through freedom? But we're just having a tough time. Well, this is the beauty of perseverance. And I've been very aware that as we've started to be able to process pain, as we are taking on the truth, as we are sort of boldly walking in the way that our Lord wants us to, well, there will be times the, the, more, the stronger you get, the more resistance you're going to get. The Lord, I mean, I love this quote from Mother Teresa who says, the Lord never gives us anything we can't handle. I, sometimes I just wish he didn't trust us so much. <laughs> and I'm like, that's actually a brilliant, a brilliant way of describing it. And I actually just felt, I'm, I felt like I was supposed to talk about perseverance. I felt like there was something for this room on perseverance. I don't know whether there's been transitions in your life. I don't know if, um, or maybe it's just felt a little bit like a plateau. The things that gave you life, the things that gave you joy aren't necessarily happening quite as strongly or quite as passionately or just feels a bit like, hmm. But I actually felt like Romans 5.3 talks about, just turn to it actually for me for a minute, will you? Because... I, um, I do actually feel like this was a word for you in particular. We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. How many times do we just try to sort of leap over the problem? Ooh, let's, ooh let, we don't need to deal with that now. Let's just keep busy. I come from a country where during the World War, the Queen Mother went, just keep busy. <laughs> That's how we were supposed to handle the war, just keeping busy. <clears throat> and we wonder why we struggle with sort of high anxiety and depression. So it just, it's just, <laughs> I think we need to probably just take a moment to reflect, maybe. Queen Mother, thank you. Um, but thank you. Good idea. Let's keep busy and eat ice cream. That's a lovely idea. So I went through this journey just being fascinated with perseverance because my tendency was to actually face a problem and then go somewhere else. It was, you know, the job's difficult. Well, I'll just change. The, the boyfriend's being weird. Change. You know, it was just whatever, whatever was uncomfortable. I, I kind of linked my Christianity to happy. It had to be, you know, because we talk about the joy of the Lord. We're talking about it today. But there is something about finding perseverance and building character in perseverance that is actually very joyful, even if it's the suckiest year you've ever had. I had the worst year a couple of years ago. I mean, it just felt like one thing after another. I remember having pneumonia. And I had all these friends around my bed, you know, drinking the, the communion cup whilst I was coughing up my own blood. Like, it was disgusting. And yet, there I was going, okay, whilst I don't have any faith or any hope today, I'm not questioning the goodness of God. We've done that before. That didn't work. But I do want to know why it's just one thing after another right now. And instead of asking why, see, I don't know whether you've noticed with Joseph or Daniel, both of them never went, why is this happening to me? 
they just went, wow, okay, so this is the situation. I'm about to be thrown into a burning fire. And Daniel, I mean, as far as we're aware, Daniel didn't go, why is this happening to me, Lord? Daniel's like, okay, let's see where he's going to show up. (laughs) And I think if you start to change your perspective, like, okay, let's see where he's going to show up. And, And what are you doing right now, Lord, in this moment? Because when they talk about Joseph being in captivity... And then the, literally one of the lines is, and the Lord was with him. And he doesn't really feel like it. He's in prison. But that was the beauty of it. They weren't using the circumstances to gather whether the Lord was with or with not them. With not them, that doesn't make any sense. But I was just in the rhythm of things. There's this lovely story um, that I feel I, I wanted to share with you. And it's about a missionary called Helen Roosevelt. She was... Uh, a missionary in the Congo in the 60s. Um, She was a nurse by trade, um, but had a very strong passion for what the Lord was doing um, to severe poverty in the Congo and, of course, the afflictions that were happening to the children. So she had an orphanage, she had a hospital, and she was actually taken um, by soldiers for about five months and kept in captivity and raped and beaten every single day. She went home to back to Europe for two years and then came back. Didn't stop her. She just persevered. Pretty powerful stuff. Because there was always this thing of like, even when she was being raped and beaten, she was like, what are you doing right now, Lord? Where are you right now? And it would be like, eyes on me, sweetheart. Eyes on me. Because nothing's going to destroy your soul. This is going to build you. You're going to get stronger. I promise you. Hard to believe. I know there's a lot of theological thing questions going on. How could he allow this to happen? But she, she knew some of the risks she was taking in it. She knew being in the most dangerous area of the world at that particular point was going to have its challenges. She came home, recuperated, rested, came back. And she's delivering a baby one night with a woman that's already got a two-year-old. And the two-year-old's standing right next to them as she's delivering this child. But during the labor and during the birth, the mother dies. The two-year-old's screaming and crying. Even though they were on the equator, it gets very cold at night. And so she knew she had probably about 12, 18 hours for this baby to survive. They only had a fire. They had no electricity. And they, the way they normally kept the babies warm, they didn't have incubators, the way they kept the babies warm with, with, was with um, a hot water bottle, especially if these things could happen. It was quite frequent. So she said, right, well, what are we going to have to do tonight? Because it gets so drafty in the wards, the nurses are going to have to sleep against the drafts of the doors. And then we'll keep the baby as close to the fire as possible. But can you go and get the hot water bottle? Midwife goes, grabs a hot water bottle. It bursts as she's filling it. It's the only one she's got. So now it's panic stations. This baby's got to stay alive. This two-year-old, if it doesn't have a mother, at least needs to have a sibling. And so Helen, feeling a little bit deflated, and actually felt like there's no way, even when we can't go and get a water bottle, we're in the middle of nowhere, there's dusty tracks to get to us. Anything that was ever delivered took five months. During this time, we're talking about the 60s. So she, she does what she often did through perseverance, which is, if I don't have enough faith for this, I'm going to find someone that does. So she brings in all the kids from the orphanage. 
She sits and she had prayer meetings with them every day. She told them the scenario. And little Ruth gets up. She's 10 years old. She stands up. She goes, right, God. Listen, it's no good tomorrow because the baby's going to be dead. So we need you to help today. <laughs> Helen's like, oh. I mean, I appreciate the directness, but it's a bit strong, isn't it? I mean, just the audacity of this feeling. It's no good tomorrow and the baby will be dead. So we need you to come today. And also, whilst you're at it, this is literally what her prayer is, while you're at it, bring a toy for the two-year-old so she knows that you love her. Okay, thanks. Right? Helen's like, thank you. Thank you, Ruth. <laughs> but she was impressed with how confident Ruth at 10 was. Being an orphan hasn't had the best life. But gosh, she believed in her lawn. The day's going, the night's going down, the sunset's going down. Helen's starting to really lose it. Because she just doesn't, she's not convinced the fire's going to keep the baby awake and alive. And someone runs through when she's taking care of a patient. And she said, there's been a delivery at the front door. You know where I'm going with this. There's been a delivery at the front door. And she went, has there? You know, big, huge box of things. She opened it and there was swaddling for the leprosy patients. There were raisin and cinnamon buns and ingredients to cook things for the children. There were cartoon books, little sweaters for the kids. There were all these things. And, and Ruth, little Ruth, very excited about this parcel. But she's getting further and further down to the bottom of the box. There's nothing. There's no sign of a hot water bottle. And there's just this moment of disappointment. Until Helen actually gets right down to the very bottom and feels like rubber. She picks it out. It's a hot water bottle. Little baby Ruth goes, well, then there must be a toy for the two-year-old. She goes out and finds his little toy. It's a beautiful story. Here's the deal, though. And the testimony is this. That parcel was a word given to a woman in England five months ago. And she obediently heard the, ward go, the Lord go, send a hot water bottle to the Congo. And she was like, what? Send a hot water bottle to the Congo. She was like, but it's the equator. They don't need that. No, trust me, hot water bottle, toy for a little two-year-old. Five months before. You don't understand what the Lord is planning for you when he knows what you need, when you don't even know you need it. I kind of, I love to have these visions of like the Lord going, right, five months, five months time. Get Angel, go and, go and tell so-and-so that we need a hot water bottle and a small toy. Go. Okay, thanks. It's just this constant strategy and planning all the time. Sometimes the Lord is bringing you a hot water bottle and you're disappointed with it because it's not what you wanted. You wanted the husband or the father to survive. And that's the, that's the, that's the pressure of perseverance is recognizing the acceptance of how life is on earth, but recognizing that there are touch points to keep you strong, to keep you having endurance, to build in you. This amazing history that you start to build with the Lord going, I don't know what's going on right now, but I know he's going to show up. And I'm going to keep my vision as wide as possible rather than being so focused on the one thing. If I get money, done. No, I'm going to build in you a character so you can handle the kind of money I'm about to send you.
the world is looking for character. Because we're just so, I'm so done. <laughs> I'm so done with opinions. I'm done with people saying that they have opinions about things. I'm having an opinion about people having opinions right now. I'm done with myself, you know. I actually, I, I, I just know that the people that brought me back to the Lord were the ones that modeled the gospel. They didn't talk it, they modeled it. And I know you can do that. I know that the people in this room that are hungry enough to get up in the morning and come and find the Lord, you have that in you. It's not willpower. It's actually much more restful than that. It's whatever we're doing in this moment, where are you showing up? Because even when things don't come the way that I want, my God, you're building a character in me to be able to handle the kind of favor and responsibility that you want me to walk in for you. Yeah, how are we doing for time? Five minutes? Tess is like, an hour? No, I'm doing. Hey, he's out. He's totally out. I actually am. Um, there is something about ownership that's really important. The reason why we're not building character sometimes or we want to run away from perseverance is because we just feel like the Lord's going to hit us like a Damascus Road experience. That if, if the Lord just shows up here, then we'll be fine. The Lord's like, I want you to take some ownership of the choices you're making. And then if I see your yes coming out through your actions, I've got something to launch off. But at the moment, I feel like I'm just bringing this to you without your yes. Your actions have to show a yes. I actually feel like there are people that have actually just been opening the door to this. They've actually been opening up the heart to want to do right, to want to be noble, to want to make the right choice. Here's the deal. The right choice is often the harder choice. That's why there are so few noble people on the planet. But they don't, they've missed out. They've missed out on the beauty on the other side of the breakthrough. They've missed out on when we have made the harder choice, the freedom that not just you get, but the other person gets. This was a hard choice that the Lord made at the well. He knew she was going to be edgy. He knew she was going to be sharp. But he also knew the breakthrough on the other side. And so I actually just, I actually want you to stand for a minute, if that's all right. I'm just going to pray some, some breakthrough things, actually, I mean. I felt like there was actually some people, I had it since pre-prayer service, actually. I felt like there was someone, it's either you or someone that you know that's actually struggling with infertility. And, um, and or, is this ever going to happen, Lord? Am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to have children? I've been waiting for a long time. There's some people that have been waiting for a long time for promises to happen. Or the promises did happen, but they were taken away from you. And you're wondering how this all starts again. I actually felt like there is, there is a new seed of hope being poured into you. Not based on circumstances, not based on something new happening. But that the hope in you, the faith in the things unseen is now a choice that you are stepping into. Because you're going, what else am I going to do 
other than to actually to choose to have faith in this. And I actually felt like the Lord is breaking off self-criticism. How you handle things, how you react to things has got to go. How you are with yourself, even in a process, has got to stop being so cruel and so unkind. I feel like the Lord is like, will you start being tender with you like I'm being tender with you? Will you stop criticizing what you see in the mirror? Stop criticizing how you're responding to the process itself and just come in with a tiny little voice going, how are you feeling? Are you feeling good? Do you need some help? Do you need some comfort? I feel like the Lord is breaking off right now the spirit of self-criticism because self-criticism is connected to hope. And if you've been self-critical in your life, you're probably not far away from hopelessness. And so I just want to bring that back right now and say, I speak to the kindness of the voice into you. Do you start speaking to your heart like it's a little child? I start speaking to the ability to build trust back with yourself because you can actually be kind every time. You wouldn't tell a child off for falling down. You just pick it up again. And so I do that with you in the processes, in the journey, in the inability to dream. Some of you put dreams down that you, you were too frightened of trying or you thought there's no point anymore. You wanted to avoid disappointment. So just put them down to bed. I felt like dreams are coming back into you. I, I saw some of you writing down dreams. 50, 60, 70. You will not be able to stop dreaming of all the things that the Lord's had in you because the Lord's like, you forgot about me. You forgot that I can actually do this with you. This isn't all on your own strength. But how you possibly be able to, be, to meet into this dream if you're so harsh on yourself. I actually felt like um, there was a shift between perfectionism and going into excellence. It's actually a gift you've had on excellence, but it's been distorted into perfectionism. Perfectionism is all about self-hatred. Excellence is always about just enjoying the ability of growing and growing and growing. I saw new businesses starting to open up. Some of you are entrepreneurs, startup companies. I saw was actually starting to be in this area. I saw buildings starting to open up, no longer having um, for sale or new lease. That All of those leases signs are going down because you are actually setting up new offices, new startup companies because you are not thinking about how you will gain from it. You're looking at how you're imp- impacting the city around you. The Lord always helps helps the dreams of the people that are thinking about other people, not just yourself. Favor is to share. I saw favor coming down all the way through. Favor, 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 because you are building in the character to be able to steward it. I saw finances coming down, but because you can navigate generosity so well. I saw a constant, a constant, um, Give and receive, a quid pro quo, so to speak. Every time you're sewing in, you're getting something back. And that's not the reason why you're doing it. You just love to see the smile on someone else's face. Hey. I actually saw um, a breaking off of addictions, this thing that you've been holding on to. And, it, and I'm not talking about the big addictions. I'm talking about the tiny, oh, I just love to keep busy addictions. Or, or the, oh, we could go online shopping one more time, couldn't we, today? Um, those little tiny things, the comfort blankets that have been keeping you like, oh, that was, that was okay, good, for fine. Because I feel like on the other side of this unreasonable courage that the Lord is wanting to bring into your life, that there is gold on the end of that transaction. 
they as is coming from a divine beautiful spirit i felt i felt the hearts were healing in this moment that you're no longer looking back you're actually looking forward that the the spirit of nostalgia is gone in this room as far as i'm concerned the old man is done zo we are done with the old man and any time you want to leap back into it there's a new muscle that goes no we're not doing that anymore no no because we've got more things to do we've got too much time now to spend in all of the new things hey and i actually so and I'll, i'll finish with this lord i just ask that as everyone leaves this room tonight when they walk through those doors or that door whichever door they leave in this room there's a lot of exits i've just noticed <laughs> <laughs> that there is like a shedding of an old skin that you go out feeling so refreshed that the angels are literally carrying you out and go it's time to party sweetheart the breakup that was hurting your heart the sacrifice that you've made that you didn't see the fruit come into the grief even that you've had of certain things of your life the burden's lifting because you're getting an eternal perspective as soon as you walk through those doors and lord i just thank you for what you're doing i can feel you're doing things right now and i pray for the secret place in everyone's heart they just love spending time with you and they love sharing the secret place with other people i bless the families i break off infertility i bring back hope I I I speak a blessing of multiplication both on families, finances, businesses, everything. The things that people have been contending for now, Lord, let it be 2020. <laughs> And for those that are just longing to dream again, Lord, give them the permission. Let them give themselves the permission to dream again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. <laughs> Can you just take a deep breath? Let it out. Take another one. Yeah. In Psalms there's a lot of moments where it says selah. <laughs> They're strategic so that you can you can let what you just read impact everything in you. Um This is just one of those days. Just let it all just work into your places. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great, 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 great. Toyota, if you're on the prayer team, come on up. We're going to pray for people at the end. Um if you're on our staff, you're you're on the prayer team by default and then uh, we have more prayer people on top of that. So come on up right now. Um if you need prayer for anything at all, um Uh we want to pray for you. Like I said, we saw a torn ACL healed last uh last week through a testimony. We're going to see lots of other stuff uh be touched by God. Um so if you need that, come on up. Um and also I want to here's what we do. You guys know whenever we have a guest speaker and th- you guys are freaking a- awesome at this is that we bring people in and um we want to give you an opportunity to honor and and really to celebrate what you just got to receive. Okay? 
And so part of what we do at Presence, if you're new, welcome, um, is we honor well. We celebrate people. We celebrate the message. Whatever you honor and whatever you celebrate, you're going to see grow in your life. I'm not saying you have to pay to play. I'm not saying that if you don't give, you're not going to see a fruit grow up. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you have an opportunity to, to partner with how much God loves uh, Carrie and what she's doing. She's doing amazing stuff. She can't talk about a lot of stuff she does because she's, she's just connected with some really great people that really need Jesus that most Christians won't want to talk to. And so if, I just want to say just simply, we, we have a, a bucket up here. If you want to sow into her life, I want to encourage you. Just ask the Father, hey, God, is this something you want me to do? And if he says yes, just ask him how much and then just be obedient with that, okay? Don't, don't, don't argue with them. Just say, yep, let's do that. Um, and if his number is bigger than your number, just do a little dance and come on up here. Um, but you can write a check. Make it out the present so see, but write on it, um, uh, uh, Carrie, um, so we know where it goes. And then um, electronically, you guys all know we've got the Push Pay app or that you can text to give. Um, we can maybe get that up there again. That'd be great. We're working on that. Okay, roger that. Anyway, but if you, if you don't make give during text, just give to the speaker, and we'll make sure it gives to her everything. We just want to love and honor people that come in massively so that we're known for a people, that people walk away going, oh, my gosh, I didn't think they were that generous. Now, we, they all think you are, but I'm sure. But anyway, um, so let me just pray for us. Father, we love you, God. Let everything that, that has been worked into our ears and into our heart and our mind, Father, let it just take root and may it grow into beautiful structures and trees and, and plants, God. May, uh, may, may we learn to love ourselves and speak to ourselves differently in so many ways. And may we be a people that courageously run into people that, um, that nobody else would run to, God. Let us, be, uh, let us be those ones, God, the ones that just love the miscreants, the, the, the lost, the hopeless people, God, that we're happy to just grab a hold of and bear hug. Wow. All right, and Jesus said, all, all God's people said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.